I'm trusting that you are. In Malachi chapter 3, you'll notice this is the last book of the Old Testament. And in chapter 3, we will read these central verses of Malachi's prophecy. Verses 1 through 4. The word of the Lord reads, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Malachi is the end of the Old Testament. It'll be 400 years of silence before Israel will hear the word of the Lord in an authoritative sense as they had heard in the Old Testament prophets when they hear John the Baptist crying out, repent and be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is near. Malachi ends our Old Testament with a a sobering and a um, a chilling prophecy. Malachi is addressing a people who are saying, "What are we waiting on? Isn't the Messiah going to come? Isn't life going to be put back together? Isn't righteousness and justice?" ever going to be restored. The people of Israel having returned from exile and having reestablished the temple system are waiting for their coming King, for their coming Messiah. And the cry of their hearts seems to be, come on Lord. You know, that can be taken positively and it can be taken negatively said with a, a certain enunciation, it can sound very exasperated. Come on, Lord. said with another enunciation, it can sound kind of hopeful. Come on, Lord. Bring the kingdom. Bring your righteous rule. Bring your rule and reign. Come and restore justice and righteousness. Come on, Lord. Yahweh's response to the people throughout Malachi's prophecy is essentially, oh no, you're not ready for that. 
You're not ready for that because the Lord, when He comes, He is a righteous judge. And judgment begins first in the house of God. Malachi's accusation against the people of Israel is, you're not ready for His coming. Change has to take place before that happens in your hearts or you will be consumed. Because the Lord in your midst is the presence of a holy and righteous judge in your midst. Now a judge is not a necessarily bad thing. You know, we think of judges as somebody who's going to put down uh, or send down consequences and repercussions of wrongdoing. But a judge in the Old Testament is one who restores justice. One who puts things back together, makes wrongs right. Puts all things back right. But Malachi says, you're not ready for this coming king because when he comes, he's coming to purify, he's coming to cleanse, he's coming to consume. And you're not ready. You're not ready for that dance. You're not ready for that dinner party. You'd better get ready. The Lord's accusation toward Israel through the prophet Malachi is that they lack honor. He says, you're not honoring me as you ought. And all throughout Malachi's prophecy, if you begin in chapter 1 and read on through chapter 4, you find this give and take dialogue between Yahweh and His people. What do you mean we're not ready? What do you mean we lack honor? Don't we offer you sacrifices? Don't we follow the the temple system as you've lined out for us? Well, no, not quite. You've done it half-heartedly. What do you mean we're not ready? Yes, we're ready. We've said we're ready. Come on. You're not ready. You lack honor. You've not given me the honor that is due me, you've not related to me rightly. You're not ready. What gives, Lord? How in the world do we lack honor? And so Malachi lines out, lays out before Israel a variety of ways that they lack honor before God. First is that they lack honor in that they are giving leftovers. One of my favorite lines in what I'll confess in one of my favorite shows, Gilmore Girls. Sorry, gentlemen. You're welcome, ladies. One of my favorite lines is from uh, the grandmother, Emily Gilmore, to her daughter, Lorelai, when they bring bring some leftovers from a really nice party, a a nice wedding party, uh, wedding reception. They bring some of the the leftovers to, to Emily's home, and she says, you brought us used food? Great. Used food? Yahweh's accusation against Israel is, come on, you're giving me leftovers. You're not giving me your best. You're not giving me your first. You're giving me whatever you can scrounge up. You're giving me essentially junk for Jesus. 
God is not honored in our half-hearted attempts to try to appease Him with our offerings. In fact, Israel is kind of frustrated. You, you hear it in the tone of their voice as they debate and argue with Yahweh in Malachi's prophecy. They're frustrated with what's required of them. Come on, Lord. Won't this do? Our half-hearted attempts to try to put together something that sounds alright, looks alright, smells alright, tastes alright, won't that work? And Yahweh says, you lack honor because you're giving leftovers. You lack honor because you're giving leftovers, but you lack honor also because you're assuming privilege. You think, I'm yours and no one else's. Israel was treating Yahweh like just any, any other of those local cult gods. He's ours and not theirs. And all throughout Malachi's prophecy, you have the prophet saying, essentially that God is wanting to reach the Gentiles, those outside of the house of Israel. God is the Lord of all the earth, and He's wanting to redeem the whole earth. He's not content with being just Israel's God, but Israel's holding on to Him as though they've got some special privilege as the elect children of God, and everybody else is on the outs. He's our God and not theirs. You lack honor, Israel. You're not ready for me to come. Because when I come, I come and demand more than just being your local deity, your private Jesus. I come to redeem the world. They lack honor because they're misleading others. And when you hear that, misleading others, you think, ah, oh, they're lying to people. But I mean what the words say. They are misleading others. They are leading others astray. This accusation specifically is directed toward the priests, the leaders, the religious figures in Israel. They were misleading the people. They were not being frank and open about the Torah, about God's instruction to His people. They would pick and choose. They would apply and implement those things they saw fit. Leave out the rest. You know, there's a, a, a burden of responsibility and accountability that falls on those of us in leadership in the church. In fact, Paul said, not many of you should want to lead, teach. There's an accountability that comes with that. The leaders of the church in America, the leaders of the church in the West, the leaders of the church throughout the world will be held accountable for how they mislead the people of God. Yahweh says, you're not ready. Come on, Lord. What do you mean we're not ready? We're ready for you to 
put the world back together. We're ready for you to establish justice. Oh, really? You ready for that? What about that covenant breaking? Israel is accused by Yahweh of being those who find it normal and acceptable to break covenant. He speaks specifically of their covenant with Him as their Lord and God, but also their covenants with one another. He digs into the heart of the marital covenant. He says, you, you think it's that, that a covenant is something you can just walk into and out of? You're being unfaithful to me, to one another? He says, you're not ready. You're not ready. Come on, Lord. What do you mean we're not ready? Haven't we done enough? Haven't we given you enough? Haven't we sacrificed enough? Haven't we been at least enough faithful in our partial faithfulness? And that's the last accusation that Malachi will make to Israel. You lack honor in that you are resenting faithfulness. See, the question that Malachi is asking in behalf of the people is, does it really pay to serve God? Does it really pay to live righteously? The people's accusation in frustration to Yahweh is the, the unrighteous always get away with it. They get away with their wrongdoing. You've been there. I've probably been there this past week. You see some knucklehead driving down the road, Bill, driving like a maniac, and you think somebody's about to get killed. Why in the world can't the cops be doing a speed trap right now on this road? Why are they back there? We get so frustrated when we're doing the right thing and others aren't. Man, it burns us up. All my life I've tried to do the right thing. All my life I've tried to be honest and be fair and be kind. Good grief. Why does it seem like the good guys always lose and the bad guys always win? Sounds an awful lot like the psalmist. Lord, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Israel begins resenting their faithfulness. Here we are trying to live a good and holy life and the world's burning up all around us and we're missing out. Why in the world are we in covenant with God anyhow? Why even try? Why bother? But come on, Lord. Bring your kingdom. Put everything back together. 
Make things right. Settle the accounts. All throughout these four chapters, you've got Israel asking that question. What are you talking about, Lord? We've done just fine. We're pretty good. After all, compare us to the, to the rest of the world. Look, we're better than they are. In protecting themselves, in living for themselves, they find themselves justifying themselves. And they justify themselves in a couple of ways. One, in the sense that they're saying, we're just fine. Those who do evil, they're not all that bad. After all, it could be worse. They could be like those Gentiles. Don't look at the sins of the church, because good grief, look at their neighbors. And their second attempt at justifying themselves is in asking this question, where in the world's God in all this? All this mess is going on and he just seems distant and uninterested. Perhaps he's uninformed. When's he going to bring justice? We're trying our best to try to keep things held together and he's just sitting around letting everything fall apart. Yahweh's response to their accusations is essentially, oh, he's coming. He's coming, all right. Here in chapter, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3, we read of two messengers. Notice, don't, get, don't, don't have your vision blurred when you read messenger and think he's talking about one person. He speaks specifically of two messengers. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger, here a second one, of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Come on, Lord. Take care of things. Put things back together. Bring your justice. Bring your rule and reign. Bring your kingdom, Lord. The prayer of our Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is done in heaven. Oh, it's coming, all right, says Malachi. Christmas is just around the corner. Advent, before that. You've got two more Sundays, and then we begin Advent. And we begin looking to the skies for our coming King. And Malachi says, oh, He's coming. 
In fact, two messengers of the covenant are coming. Coming. One is coming to prepare. To prepare the way of the Lord. He says later on in chapter 4 that he's coming as Elijah the prophet. He's coming with fire. He's coming to preach repentance. He'll be the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, said Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord because your king is coming. Four hundred years of silence would pass and then Israel suddenly hears of this crazy bearded man living out in the desert, eating locusts and wild honey, wearing not a nice camel hair blazer, but wearing camel hair nonetheless. Yelling and screaming and creating all sorts of a ruckus. Repent! It's time to get your life together. Time to get your house in order. Because the king is coming. The kingdom is almost here. There would be one messenger who would come to prepare the way. And there would be another messenger who would come who... Malachi says, is the Lord Himself coming to His temple. And He's come not to prepare, but He's come to redeem. And He's come to redeem by cleansing. Who can endure the day of His coming? Who can stand when He appears? You know, stand before Him and act like you've got life together? He's like a refiner's Fire and fire burns. It's like launderer's soap and soap scrubs. Come on, Lord, we're ready. The images of these two messengers, one preparing and then one cleansing, reminds me of the images of soap and water. So you get the really dirty dishes, you get them down in the get them down in the water and let them soak for a bit. The water serves as a uh, a conduit for the cleansing of that soap. It prepares the, the dishes for the soap. It prepares the dishes to be cleansed. And the soap comes along to scrub clean. You know, the church is always crying out for justice to be restored and for things to be put back right. We look at the world around us and almost mockingly we talk about how bad things are and how terrible things have gotten and how God's going to maybe have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because He judged them and He hadn't judged us yet. And we think that we're just exempt from all that. You know, Advent, sorry to bring back up Advent. 
Advent's always a time of joy and celebration. But historically, Advent has been a time of repentance and preparation, a time of humbling ourselves, recognizing that if God is coming to restore justice to the world, He begins with His people. And so we prepare for the cleansing that is to come. We prepare for the redemption that is drawing near. Malachi 4, verse 1 begins, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. The day which, is, which shall burn them up is coming. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in His wings. The day is coming. And Malachi ends in a very interesting way. As he's warning as he's warning Israel of the coming judge and king as he's warning them of this one who's to come to cleanse to come to restore tells them restoration's coming but he says in the final verse of his prophecy and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children the hearts of the children to their fathers It seems that Malachi is warning Israel that when the judge comes, when he comes to put things back together to make all things right, he starts in the family. Restoring Brokenness in the family. Restoring fathers to their children, restoring children to their fathers. Turning their hearts toward one another. Come on, Lord. What's taking so long? Come on, Lord. Too many bad people are getting away with bad things. Too many haters be hating. Daniel, I told you I could do it three weeks in a row. Get away with it too. Come on, Lord. Smite the wicked. You felt that. Be honest. You've felt that burning desire in your heart to, to not just know that vengeance has, has happened, but to see it happen. There's something, there's something, I don't want to just call it weird, but there's something sinister in us that we like to see justice handed out when it doesn't involve us. At least when it doesn't involve us on the receiving end. 
Come on, Lord. Yahweh says, your king is coming. And you better make yourself ready for it. Because when he comes, he's coming to cleanse. He's coming to redeem. And it's time to get your house in order. You're not yet ready for that. But you can be. If you'll prepare yourselves, He will cleanse. If you will get yourself into the tub, He will clean you up. Let's pray.